You're listening to The Co Show, a father-daughter intergenerational conversation about the subjects that really matter. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 14 of The Co Show. I'm your co-host, Tony Co, aka Big Tone, and here's my charming co-host and daughter, also Tony, aka Lil Toe. Together we founded this cross-generational podcast when the UK went into lockdown, and we've been going strong ever since, thanks to your help and support. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> we are both wired this morning, too much coffee. Yeah, the good stuff. So, I did an episode 13 and a half. And it was half an episode for two reasons. One, it was 10 minutes long, and two, my co-host wasn't there. Where were you? I think you were just sneakily liking the sound of your own voice and, and less debate. So you're planning on going solo. You're stealing the reins. Yeah, it's, it's much easier when you're unchallenged. <laughs> <laughs> Knew it. You're always right. Yeah. No, no, I mean, when you're on your own, when I'm on my own, I'm always right. There's no one to oh, disprove me. I thought we were finally all... agreeing on something. <laughs> but I'm always right anyway. So you liked my little cheeky one? Yeah, it was great. Actually, the truth is we had a few minutes left in our monthly allowance on Buzzsprout. And I thought it was, a, I just can't bear to th- let things go to waste. You know, I have to have the last bit of the marmalade right at the bottom of the jar. Or Every the last single bit of penny's worth of time. Absolutely. That's exactly right. <laughs> so this is my last broadcast podcast from... London from Kensington. What's going on? You're an amateur. Turn your phone off. I know I am terrible, aren't I? Well, if I turn my phone off, then we won't have a timer to tell us when our 30 minutes is up. So that won't work. So I have to, but I have turned it on silent. So yeah, so tomorrow our big moving van early in the morning is going to turn up and we are leaving Kensington. Are you sad? Yeah, a little bit sad. I mean, I'm happy for you. I, I do want to know your feelings. Actually, I haven't really asked you your feelings on the subject, so now's a good time to... Uh, there's only you, me here listening. Uh, now's a good time to tell me. Well, I think, you know, I've grown up in that place and in that flat. You know, you've all, the whole time that I've been alive, you've had that, that place. And I was always quite um, proud of the fact that you lived in such a nice area. Um, and you know that I have very fond memories of eating bagels with cream cheese and salmon and watching The Sopranos on a Sunday, going to Partridges, and, and you'd let me buy one of their really ex- like overpriced pan chocolates and walking in Hyde Park and stuff like that. Yeah, I do. I feel kind of, I feel like I'm losing a piece of my heritage, but... I think that I think it's an amazing choice. I think that your decision to move to the country and to, you know, start a new journey is really, really exciting. But yeah, I feel sad that I'm not physically able to say goodbye to the space. It is actually home. 
Yeah, it, it is actually a, a huge life change. I mean, we, um, Kiki and I have always said that uh, we will one day leave London, but we've really enjoyed our time in Kensington uh, and we've, we've raved about it. In fact, one of Kiki's relatives said only yesterday, I cannot believe that Tony and Christine are leaving Kensington. They have always raved about living in London. And of course, we've actually loved being able to walk to the theatre, being able to walk like two minutes to the Albert Hall, mm. um, you know, to the Cadogan Hall in, in Sloan Square to go for musical events and other things, and the Christmas show, of course, that you've been to. And uh, we love the, the, being able to walk to any number of restaurants within a few minutes, being able to even walk to the West End to see a show. It, it has been you know, just amazing, an amazing privilege. But really, this COVID thing really accelerated our decision, which I think was going to probably come rather later in life. Um, not that we've got that much life left. <clears throat> but um, it accelerated that because really all the benefits of living in central London suddenly turned into disbenefits. And you know, you, in being in lockdown... You know, obviously, you couldn't enjoy restaurants and theatres. That's all, that's all gone. And I'm not sure when, for people of our age, I'm not sure when it's going to be safe to venture back into theatres and, and restaurants. We both feel it's, it's a long way off. So it really did end the advantages of living in London for us. And so we started actually... Because there's been a lot of talk, I don't know if you've noticed that, there's been a lot of talk about people exiting urban areas. Are you aware of that? Yeah. So we, we're, you know, I mean, we're, we're part of a, a trend, I suppose. But, uh, and I think we started very early. We, right at the beginning of lockdown, we made the decision. We said, we're going to get on with it. We, had, we viewed a lot of properties on virtually, you know, did virtual viewings on properties, which is a big thing now. That's changed the way the property market works. And it, it really worked out well because we were able to eliminate a lot of properties without li leaving our living room, which was fantastic. And then we only saw the ones that we, we thought were, were runners. And you remember, when we, you remember when we went to live in Florida? So that was, I yeah. think, 2002, I think that was. What I said, we, we, saw a few, we, we saw a few properties in the country, various places, Strat, Stratford, or we looked at one in Salisbury, um, various villages around Stratford and the Cotswolds, and nothing really did it. I mean, everything seemed to just have a snag. And I said to Kiki, I said, I, want to, I don't think I will feel right about this until I feel as excited as we did when we discovered Fiddler's Creek in Southwest Florida. And then that happened when we discovered the village of Elmley Castle. That, the, it wasn't even the house, first of all. It was just driving into the village. And I said to Kiki, this is the kind of village that I always imagined us moving to. And then we saw the house. And what was brilliant about the house is it's a three-year-old, super modern house with a you know, nice outlook at the back, a small garden, which is what we want because neither of us is into gardening, but we do want to have a garden. And it has that. It has air, an air source pump, 
So it's, you know, very modern in terms of eco-friendliness and all that. And, and we get to look at all these beautiful thatched cottages, old and worldly thatched, without having to live in one. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's expensive, isn't it, to thatch a property? And you have to do it like every, I don't know, 15 no, I think it's less. Oh, you might be right. It might be 15 years. But the other thing about thatched cottages is they're also full of spiders. And mice sometimes. And mice. But I, it, I don't mind mice. Mice are like yeah. cuddly little creatures, but spiders know, are just sorry. horrible. Go on. I know. Well, spiders are really important to the ecosystem. So, you know. Yeah, but they're still horrible. They're I don't want them in my bed. Um, I was just going to say that I totally relate to your feeling of finding... A space like that because obviously Hastings is very different to Elmley Castle or Elm Elmley Village but um, you know moving to somewhere that's a bit greener that has some real history to it you know we're right below Hastings Castle um, and it being quieter and cleaner and you know getting to know your neighbours it's, it's just such a lovely a new phase i think of our lives as well um yeah. and you know I, I i do think of you living in kensington as a real privilege like it's been a real privilege to be a, a a child that's been able to grow up in a place like that because i've lived in two other places in um london on holloway road and on portobello road um not fancy on portobello road i was in like a converted pub and it was messy um but the, the, those ex two experiences versus actually having a home in Kensington are vastly different. And so I think that it is a total privilege to be in a space like that, that is, you know, just super quiet and clean and, you know, Hyde Park right on your doorstep and all of that stuff. And um, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely miss it. Because a, a lot of people aren't lucky enough to experience London living like that. Um, well, I hope we'll, we'll replace it with something even more special. Yeah, we... no, no, I mean, I, I don't want to take away from the fact I'm super excited about the new place. It's much more my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that it's going to be such an exciting adventure for the both of you, especially with the addition of having a narrow boat. Um, yes, tickety-boo. Tickety boo, your, your narrow boat. Yeah. Um, maybe you want to talk about that as well. About yes, I, I, yes, very, very good idea. So we decided that uh, probably foreign holidays are out for us um, for the foreseeable future. Um, we've always loved, or I've always loved, I should say, narrow boating. And of course, you and your sisters um, grew, up, grew up with us on doing many boating holidays, and a lot of those were narrow boat holidays right you remember the narrowboat holidays yeah i didn't realize how unusual that was actually because i i don't have a lot of friends that that did narrowboat holidays but that was such a normal thing for us to go to to go off on a narrowboat yeah i was explaining to um to i can't remember who it was but one of our american uh, listeners the other day about narrowboating and uh as I explained it, because they didn't know anything about it, they didn't know what a narrow boat was, and they didn't know why it was narrow. And uh, you know. <laughs> so, and I, as I was explaining it to him, I, I could see, I could feel the excitement rising in me. You know, because talking about, I mean, the, it's a beautiful um, part of our heritage, the canal system. You know, it came about as a result of the industrial revolution. It was the super highway of the time. You know, moving goods 
all those goods that were being manufactured in the new factories uh, had to be moved around and it was very difficult to get them along muddy road tracks uh, without the goods getting broken and you know so they it was an f- enormous feat of engineering to build this uh, this uh, network of man-made uh, channels. Uh, they call they call the canal the cut because it's literally cut into the landscape. And of course, in doing that, uh, they were horse-drawn, so you had a towpath along the side of these channels, which still exists today and is a public is public property. Anybody can go along the on the towpath. And, and it has its own wildlife as well. Yep, beautiful views everywhere. The locks, fantastic piece of engineering. The uh, aqueducts, um, the lift bridges, the swing bridges. You know, it, it's there's there's so much to the canals, the English canal system, the UK canal system. Uh, it goes through cities, so you've got that side of it. Uh, it goes to just the most gorgeous countryside. You've got pubs, you know, pubs lining the canal and uh, where you can moor up. Yeah, and then on the towpath, because it's a public property, you can pretty much moor anywhere, unlike on rivers, without paying. So that's, you know, that is a tremendous thing. Because we went on many, many holidays and we just thought, well, let's get a narrowboat. You know, now that we're going, uh, coming out of lockdown, we're not going to be able to go on planes. Um, You're like the Romany gypsy of the of the canal. Yeah, you can okay. go wherever you want. Okay, yeah. Wherever, so, yeah. <laughs> so we found this narrowboat, and uh, she's called Tickety Boo, which is, I think, perfect. Everything is tickety boo, doodly doo, tickety doo. <laughs> We're going to be all singing that song. This is what I was saying to you yesterday about um, being excited about things that other people are passionate about. You know. Yeah. You are obviously incredibly excited by this um, journey. It's really, really nice to hear. Yeah, and we're I'm getting to... We're, good, I'm glad. And I'm glad you're coming to stay with us at Christmas and you and Tom and that, and your doggy. And I'm glad, just, I think it's going to be great. The, we went for our... We, we've already stayed there our first night because we bought this house. Um, we bought this house a few days ago, com- completed on it. And we stayed there the first uh, first night, and just walking, just getting up the next morning, like you know, I do in 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 Kensington. I go for a an hour's walk every, very early in the morning, probably around sort of five thirty, six o'clock usually. Um, and that's that nice to do now because there's no people about. Don't have to worry about distancing from people. But doing it in the countryside was just. Just so lovely. I mean, you know, I'm walking across a public footpath, across a beautiful field, then going up a bridle path onto the hills. I just, I just breathed in the fresh air and thought, oh, this is amazing. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you notice a difference in the air quality? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I do. When I go into London, because my, my best friend lives in London, um, I always have a great time. But I, I come out and I feel like, like clogged up in my lungs and and i think it's it's really interesting when you you live out in the countryside and when you go into london and you notice what pe- the little green spaces people are living with um so maybe that's going to make a big impact on your life um you know sleeping better and just being able to breathe clean air and yeah 
and we have and, and this this uh, sort of uh, quite new house. It's it's uh, three years old. Um, it's part of three, a, de- a, a little development of three, and we have these the most lovely. We're in the middle. Our house is in the middle. It's called Hartwood. And we have on each, on each side just uh, the most lovely neighbours. One side we've got Dave and Sally, who've been fantastically helpful. And on the other side, we've got Aid and Lorraine, also have been very welcoming. And we, we had, on our first night there, they both had us round for drinks. And we, we you know, had a great time with them. And, and they're in, they've, because I've mentioned pickleball, my sport, they've looked it up. They've, uh, both of the guys are interested in doing that. There's a village hall in the, in the village of Elmley Castle, and there's possibility we might be able to get some pickleball going for the local community there. So that's another just really exciting awesome. aspect of it. So, how do you feel about saying goodbye to the office and flat? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because um, if you'd asked me that probably a few days ago, I probably would have given the answer that I have been given giving which is really that I don't I haven't really felt very much but I am beginning to feel something now that we're leaving tomorrow and it's what especially brought it home was you remember do you remember that uh, my sisters my sisters Helen and Louise and I we made a little video called farewell to the paddocks did you see that or yeah no no, I haven't haven't seen it okay so just before they sold the family home because they inherited the family home from my parents and you know they they got it's a it was a massive place really so that but it was falling down because it hadn't been and, kept. and very 60s wasn't it it was like yes. really really like um the decor inside was very 60s and it got used in a few magazines as well because it literally hadn't <laughs> changed over the well years. not just magazines it was moved, it was used regularly as a movie set for uh, mu- for music videos oh um, yeah Emily uh, Sandy's music video yeah, Morgan, and there was a Morgan Freeman advertisement thingy there for that insurance company. More is it more than uh, that was done there? Uh, because it it you, you can't really find places like that. It's sort of like something out of a you know a Hollywood movie that's sort of an old falling down sort of. Oh God, I hope my sisters don't listen. To <laughs> falling down sort of place. Now, honestly though, they couldn't really have, they couldn't afford to upkeep it. It was too much for swimming them. Swimming pool as well in the garden. Swimming pool, which of course fell into disrepair because they couldn't afford to upkeep that. Um, but you know, it was our family home. You know, I, I was, I guess, when I moved there, I was, oh god, I can't have been more than about I don't know, six years old, I, I guess. Um, uh, and when we moved there, you know, we'll sit from the whole time. Helen, Helen, and Louise have pretty much lived there all their lives with little bit, little interruptions, but they pretty much lived there all their lives. So we thought it would would be nice just to go round and do a farewell to the paddocks because it was in the, it was in the state called the paddocks. Um, to go round the house, uh, doing this farewell to the paddocks video, and as we went round, we would remember things from growing up. And we would say, oh, this happened in this room. And you know, some of it was pleasant, some of it not so pleasant. <laughs> I remember uh, melon balls. Nobody balls melon anymore. Oh, yeah. We always have melon balls. As melon a balls, yeah. Palmer ham or something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean... You and I wouldn't eat palmer ham now, but... No. That was always a starter there. No, I mean, we had, there, were a lot, there were a lot of good memories there, especially with you kids, you know, using the swimming pool, learning to swim in the swimming pool. A white piano, a white, a white, white piano. My mother's white Liberace style piano. 
I loved it. Yeah, it I was a great it. piano. It was really, I wish I had it. Yeah. Well, we've both got electric pianos now, and they're not the same, really, are they? They're just not quite the same. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So, anyway, the reason I mentioned that is because I decided to do something similar because I, know, I knew that both my sisters had said to me, look, you know, when you leave uh, Gloucester Road, um, can we do something similar? Can we do a farewell to uh, number 40? And uh, so I th- it, it all happened so quickly that there wasn't time to organize anything for them to come up. And it's difficult, you know, Helen's over se- you know, significantly over 70, so she's at risk. And we knew it wasn't a great idea for her to come up to, to London. Louise did come up and, and stay a night. Um, but it, it, when she did, we didn't know. I don't think we knew then that it was going to be quite as fast as our move out was going to be quite as fast as it has turned out to be. But anyway, I did this um, video with, a, with them yesterday morning, like a FaceTime video. And I started, I decided to start in Queensgate Muse. Do you know where that is? Yeah. So the, do you know the, why I would have started there? Because of Grandad used to park there. Absolutely. So Grandad and I used to park there, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to show sort of where, because we would both, at the end of the day, uh, when we went, because we came up to work together, and then we would go home when I was still living in the family home together. So at night, we would go back to Queensgate Muse to, obviously, to get the car uh, when we were traveling together at that time. And then we would always have a I mentioned a cheeky one earlier. We'd have a cheeky one in the uh, in the Queen's Arms. He'd have a pint of Guinness, and I'd have a half of um, something or other uh, in the Queen's Arms pub there, which is, of course, a great thing to do before you drive twenty five miles back to Surrey. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. <laughs> See, in those days, that people didn't think that that was bad, you know. No, and and actually, my experience of working with. Um at a golf club with people that are sort of like in their fifties and sixties and seventies is that they still don't think that there's a problem with that. Well, this one does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I, I wouldn't do it now, but, um, so I started it there and then I showed them the, the the walk that my father would do every day from the garage. Of course, since before I used to be within five, when I was a little boy, uh, the walk down Queensgate terrace to the, uh, the office building. And he would, uh, he would walk along there with his brolly and his bowler hat. You, you know what a bowler hat looks like, right? Yeah, they're awesome. And so he would wear his bowler hat. And his bowler hat, I was thinking about that this morning as I was writing my daily journal, because I was writing about this, about the video that I did yesterday. And I realized, because he always used to put his bowler hat on the parcel shelf of the, of the car. And I, I seem to think now, as I wrote that, I thought, he, he, I think he did that strategically. I think it was like a status symbol. <laughs> I really do. I think, you know, here's my bowler hat. I'm a very important guy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of you workers. Sort of Although thing. I have to say, I put my hat on the parcel shelf too. Yeah, but it's not it's a, a nice status pack. hat, is it? I don't know. It's pretty cool. Because a bowler hat was a real status hat. You know, I mean, it was, it was like a banker. It, it, a banker it, it would wear that. It's like a good flat surface, isn't it, for a hat? Because there isn't really a safe place to put a hat otherwise. But yeah, probably. But you know, there was a, there was, my that father, what? Sorry? 
Was that his Daimler? Oh, it was no, no. This was well before then. Daimlers hadn't been invented. Well, I mean, the, he. I don't think he could have aspired to a Daimler in those days. I seem to remember he had a Zephyr. I don't know what that is. Yeah, so that's like a. It was. A, it was an executive car. Um, the the wrinkle is listening to this will know what a Zephyr is. A Ford Zephyr. Uh, he was so proud of that car. I could talk about that car for half an hour. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say? I've lost it. Put the, put the bowler hat on the parcel shelf. No, I know what I was going to tell you. When I told Tracy, your eldest, your eldest sister, this story, she thought it was amazing. He told me once about, because the firm that was in this building before I started the relocation company was a very old-fashioned. It was, a, it was established in 1865, and there, was, there were a load of partners, and it was a bit like a sort of old law firm, you know, like something out of Dickens. And it was a very authoritarian senior partner called Moore. I think his name was Tim Moore. His last name was definitely Moore. He was, he was a frightening man. And he would issue edicts. And they would be posted to the notice board. And one of the edicts that my father told me about was this. There was a notice put, that he put on the board that said, the preponderance of hatlessness is to be deplored. <laughs> the preponderance of hatlessness is to be deplored. There was an edict issued to all male staff that they had to come to work wearing a hat. Wow. Did you wear a hat? No, I'm, I'm not that old. This is going back... No, but I mean, when you started, you might have wanted to fit in or something. No, they didn't. Oh. I, I, look, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going back a long way, a long, long way. I don't know. T Moore must have been dead for at least sixty years, I think. Oh wow! Okay. What's an edict? Um, uh, an instruction. Oh, okay. But a higher than that, it's almost like a sort of equivalent of a royal command. <laughs> yeah. it's a command. It's, it's a command, really. Yeah. That's a good. That's a that's a good word. Hatlessness. Yeah. I someone that always wore a hat. So then um, I, you know, I did this walk. We talked about, does the Soraya restaurant mean anything to you? The Soraya restaurant. So the restaurant on the corner, which has now gone bankrupt, is called L'Etranger. It's a French restaurant. was a French restaurant. Before that, there was a Persian restaurant. No, that does, that does ring a bell. Yeah, I, I think it's you might just there. remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was run by a, an Iranian uh, couple. Milani, I think their name was, their name, Mr. and Mrs. Milani. And I, I guess my dad and I ate in there at least once a week. It's the most amazing Iranian food. I loved it. Um, so I talked about that as, as we came um, down and other things like the used to be the Harrington Arms pub over the road and, and, and so on. And then we came into the actual building itself and we talked about how it used to be configured before it was our home and before I started the relocation business and uh, we, we went through the various rooms and we, as we went through the various rooms, of course they're a lot different now, but we could sort of remember where your granddad used to sit and where his assistant Pendelfo used to be. And we remembered all these people from the past. They started pouring out, you know, people out of our heads, you know, the people that, had, that, that we'd encountered through this building. Um, and uh, we decided that we were going to sort of, continue this sometime because it was it was really interesting just to 
Helen, Helen came out with stuff because Helen's, you know, 10 Helen years old. Helen's 10 years older than me, decade older. So a lot of stuff came out of Helen that uh, blew me away, to be honest. We'll have to talk about that another time. Gosh, I've been rabbiting on, haven't I? And we're almost, we're almost out of time, Tony. I can hardly believe it. And I've hardly let you say anything. <laughs> no, it's been really interesting. I feel like we need to, we need to do a cheers to the, the flat and say thank you for keeping us warm and safe and being a good home. Yes, I will drink to that cup of coffee. Now, since we're drinking a cup of coffee, let me remind you, dear listener, that we are also now on YouTube. Uh, our, um, what do we call it? Co-show TV. Co-show TV is the bit.ly link, but you can find everything, the links to the YouTube, so you can see us um, as well as listen to us. If you go to Tony with a Y, T-O-N-Y, C-O-E dot com, that will take you to our Buzzsprout platform, which uh, we have show notes on every show there. I'll put a link to our new village, Elmley Castle, in there, so you can take a look at that, see what a beautiful place that is. Um, and uh, do please, we love to get your feedback and we would like, if there's anything that we touch on uh, in our conversations that you'd like us to talk more about, please let us know because then we will make an effort to do that because we, we want to make this participatory. We'd like your participation. So please do that. You can email the show by emailing the co-show podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at at podcast. Um, so please do uh, give us your feedback, give us your thoughts. Um, thank you for supporting us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And please do share this podcast with all your friends and family. We'd like, we are growing uh, organically and uh, we like to um, have more participants all the time. Please do share and like and all those things that you're supposed to do on social media that I know nothing about. <laughs> Last words from you, my darling daughter. Uh, just that I'm excited for your new adventure, Dad, and I can't wait to come and see the house. And we can't wait to have you there. We've actually got rooms for the family to stay in now. We can actually have a family meal. Now that we're not living in a flat, or won't be from tomorrow. We can actually have a family meal with the whole family. Mm, with a big table. It's going to be a, great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye.